There's some dangerous large uh, carnivore out there. Yeah, I saw that bird kick a young deer off the road and fly away. And uh, it was just about getting dark, and we started panicking, running down the bridge, not really having any clue what was throwing rocks in our vicinity. Good sized rocks. And uh, I stopped long enough to get a 367 out of my backpack and look back, and that's when I thought I saw one. It's actually attacked two railroad workers, uh, killed livestock. You know, it's just a lot of weird stuff that was going on. Monstrexers, this is Gunnar Monson, and I am actually calling uh, on my way home from a cross-country meet uh, today in Monmouth, Oregon. Uh, congratulations to Jake, who ran in his first cross-country meet today, or in his first state cross-country meet. Uh, and he did good. Uh, had a good time. And uh, with me, as always, is a good friend and a consummate Bigfoot researcher, and birthday boy today, Shane Hardcore Corson. Happy birthday, Shane. I appreciate <laughs> that. I'm I'm over, overwhelmed with the amount of uh, uh, birthday wishes I've received, uh, both via phone call and text messages and emails and Facebook. So I'm a truly blessed man, and uh, thank you all uh, those out there that wish me a happy birthday. Uh, it's been a, a really good day, and uh, I share my birthday with Mr. Adam Davies and also Lyle Blackburn. So uh, it's, uh, you know, legends are born in October. <laughs> well, I like to say that it carries over to November as well because my birthday is coming up in November. <laughs> so uh, it's a good time of year for, for Bigfoot legends to be, be born. So, uh, <laughs> so and, and uh, I was not able to make I, – I spared you my singing. I was going to sing Happy Birthday to you, so – uh, but uh, oh. I decided that that w- I, I I used better judgment. And, uh, I appreciate that. Uh, so Friday there was actually a combination. One of our our friends over here, Barb uh, Olvera, also has a a birthday. Hers was a few days ago. And uh, mm-hmm. you guys, this is the second year that there was a combination birthday party karaoke party uh, for the two of you. And um, I was yeah, sorry yeah. to have and, missed that on Friday. Yeah, it was night. a great time. Uh, great yeah. time. You know, 
Barb is uh, she works with the BFRO um, and is uh, a fantastic BFRO member, and uh, she's also part of the Olympic Project and and uh, Tillman Forest Group. And uh, so we do this. This is our second annual kind of karaoke night, and we were fortunate to once again to have uh, you know our, our good friend Cliff Berrickman uh, join us. And uh, I was stoked he gave me a, a cast, a fresh cast out I of saw Minnesota. That. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, really? A, 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 yeah, out of Minnesota. Um, and I'm still learning all the details on it, but it was uh, found along Six Mile uh, Lake up in Minnesota. So uh, I can't wait to find out more details. Of course, we're at a birthday party, so it's a little rowdy, but, uh, you know, uh, it's, a, it's a fantastic cast. So, uh, you know, thanks again, Cliff, for, for uh, the birthday present. I, I am also the recipient of uh, birthday footprint cast from Mr. Berrickman a few years ago. So uh, he also, and, and in fact, Cliff's birthday is in November. So, um, again, like I said, <laughs> November, October, fall is the time for big, <laughs> Bigfoot brilliance. So, um, big, big squatchy months. It is a squatchy, very squatchy time of year. Um, one of the things that uh, I I am sad about, and again, last weekend, um, was the last scheduled hopscotch uh, guy. Uh, Edwards has been doing hopscotch in Portland for the last five years and and just um, feels like it's it's the right time to to end it. Um, I know that he you know plans at some having some special events now and then, but uh, as far as a regular monthly meeting of of hopscotch, uh, it is has come to an end, so uh, I would like to have a moment of silence for Hopsquatch. We will miss you. Okay, that's long enough. But uh... Okay, yeah, thank you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, yeah, Hopsquatch, I'm going to miss it. Guy Edwards has put on an absolute stellar monthly event for the last five years. Uh, he, it's a labor of love. It's his baby. Um, for, unfortunately, he just doesn't have the time uh, right now with some of the other endeavors he has got going on including uh really vamping up his uh bigfoot lunch club um blog and facebook group and stuff uh, uh so uh yeah. we're gonna miss it you know we had tom powell as the 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 uh cliff berrickman was the, the the first speaker and tom powell was the last speaker and they've they've both spoken uh a few times at the hop squatch event and uh tom did fantastic to a sold out crowd uh and it's going to be uh, sorely missed you know i'm going to miss it. it was one of my favorite events to attend um up here in Portland. Well, and that's one of the, I mean, it, it was cool because it was, uh, it's actually, I think the first place that I met you was at uh, Hop Squad. Correct. So yeah. uh, um, it's, it, it's been a great time and, and I, I appreciate all the hard work that that guy has put into making it happen for the last five years. You know, it's, uh, it, it, it's going to be missed, but, but uh, yeah. We'll still find ways to get together, and, and uh, one of those ways is with, you know, these conferences that are uh, the Sasquatch Summit is coming up, and our uh, guest today uh, is one of the co-founders of uh, the International Bigfoot Conference, the first of which we had over Labor Day weekend, which Shane and I both can share the stage with the likes of Dr. Meldrum and Derek Randalls and and Cliff Barrickman and, and Bob Gimlin and, and the list went on goes on and on. So um 
it's uh, we should bring uh, Russ on and, and uh, he called me a little bit earlier today and was asking me if we were going to give him a hard time and I promised him that we would. So good, good. Yeah, I was I was planning on. So I'll get him on the air here uh, so we can uh, we can give him a real good jabbing. Hello, Russell. <laughs> Hello. How are you guys doing? I'm good, Russell. Doing how are you? I'm doing great. Happy birthday. Happy birthday. Happy birthday to you. That's Thanks. all you get. Uh, okay. <laughs> That's probably enough. <laughs> I appreciate yeah, that. that was plenty. Huh? <laughs> that was plenty. <laughs> so, so Russ, thanks for joining us here today on Monster X. And uh, thank you. You, you, uh, and Kelly were up at uh, the Big Sky Bigfoot Conference this weekend. Yes, that was actually a really neat event. Uh, it was put on by Sarah. Um, she's. I met her a year ago, and. She, this is her second conference. It turned out really, really good, real class acts, and great speakers there as well. So, so tell us a little bit about what, what went on this weekend. We were not able to, for those of us that couldn't make it. It could very well have been the best time on the <laughs> planet, and you guys will be sorry that you missed it. <clears throat> so she had, she had it located in um, Hamilton, Montana. The setting was just gorgeous. You step outside the doors, and it's just nothing but mountains and and uh trees and it was just gorgeous so she brought in some speakers uh tom yammeron was there bob gimlin was there uh just fantastic stuff uh kathy strain was there mm-hmm. as well um we had uh uh dr jeff meldrum was there as well and uh she actually had me speak, which I think I was the low light of the entire event, but that's okay. It was still fun. <laughs> you always got you got always have some plug in speakers, so you know. Yeah, yeah. You had you had uh, you always have that one speaker that that is really lowers the bars to make everybody else look yeah, good. Yeah, yeah. And this year it was me. Um, and I and I don't want to say anything about the IBC who that happened to have been, guys. I'm not going to say. Anything. Good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I I know that we were scheduled to be out in the parking lot, so uh, I I took that as a as a sign of our our uh, prominence in the Bigfoot community. So yeah, it was just too hot outside, so we let you guys come in and use the stage. Yeah, we, nice. we did appreciate that. <laughs> so so was this the first time that you've spoken at? I mean, besides your own event. At a Bigfoot conference? No, this is my second time. Uh, the first time actually was at Sarah's conference, and that was a year ago. That's okay. when I. Uh, that's when we decided um, that it was time to to do something in the Tri Cities to to kind of collect the crowd in the center of the universe, so to speak. So, that was my first so, time. Was it hers a year? So you couldn't have been too awful because she invited you back. No, I paid her to bring me back. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, no, it was she, for, I got. Go ahead. go ahead. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Can you finish your thought? Oh, it was just it, she just wanted me to come back and discuss the books because the books that I wrote were actually based in the Bitterroot Valley, and that's where that conference was. That's just 15 miles away from the Kootenai Mountain Trailhead, where the my books take off from. So, a lot of the local people there completely got what I was talking about, and kind of had a pretty good understanding of the landscape, so it kind of worked out really nice. Yeah, well, I think that's, that's the only reason she brought me back. <laughs> okay. Well, I, I I doubt that that's the case, because uh, you uh, 
are well spoken and and I have read uh the first in your series and I'm into the second book and and uh we'll talk a little bit more about your your trilogy uh, in a little bit but for those for people that don't know you which is most everybody in the world um <laughs> Tell us, tell, tell us a little bit of, about yourself. Who is Russell Accord? I grew up in Montana. I went to grade school in Corvallis, Montana. went to high school in Arley, Montana. Um, not too, you know, maybe less than 100 miles difference or between the two locations. Um, just spent a lot of time learning a lot about life. I, most of my time was spent out in the mountains anyway as a hunter in Montana. You don't live in Montana unless you understand what the mountains are about, you know. So I spent a lot of time in the woods hunting and doing my searching. And um, I'm not going to lie to you, I did a lot of looking for Bigfoot, hoping that I'd just kind of accidentally run across him while I was hunting. And everything that um, that moved in the woods that was black and dark and scary, for me, I'm not a, I'm not a, uh, I must not be very good because everything I ever found was either moose or black bear. So, um but it gave me a chance to set a really good backdrop for the books that I put together. It uh, Once I got out of um, high school, I just kind of traveled around a little bit, did some work here and there. I went to back to the East Coast and some stuff in Washington and Montana and Idaho. Ended up in the military, spent a little bit of time in the military. Um, got to see some, meet some really, really amazing people, do some interesting things. Got to see how the other side of the planet lives. And uh, no joke, when I was in Japan, we were doing some cross-training with the Japanese Army in Japan um, at Mount, uh, close to Mount Fuji, but they talked actually about that there was a a Sasquatch that they had in their own legends too. So up in the woods, I had my eye out, but I didn't see him out there either. I'm either a really crappy hunter, I, I think I make too much noise, that might be it. But I got done with the military. I was medically discharged. I I was not gentle on myself during my military career. And um, I tried to stay in, but they wouldn't allow it. Just uh, um, I was just too fractured up. So I came out of the military, and my first four years out of the military, I went to, they actually, with my medical discharge, they actually treated me well. I have to say this about the military I'm one of those cases where they did treat me very well and um, covered my college for four years. So I went to college. And during the four years of college, I wrote a book that's always been in the back of my mind, which is the first book, Footprints of a Legend. I've always had the story that I wanted to write about a Bigfoot story. So um, while I was taking my credits in college, I'd, I finished out my degree and uh, finished out my book at the same time. So in a nutshell, that's about who I am. Well, first of all, thank you for your books. Sorry, I had it, I had it on speakerphone. Uh, thank you for your service to our country, and I know that that. Uh, um, um, Shane, are you there? Yeah, I'm here. Yeah. Okay. Uh, see, I'm, somebody had to wake up Shane. The, yeah, no, I know. That, that was right, right off. Yeah. Yeah. Every about ten minutes, I have to <laughs> just make sure that because I thought I heard him start to snore. So, um, yeah, yeah, I get that a lot. <laughs> not, it's not, it has nothing to do with you, Russ. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, so let's talk a little bit about these books that that you've done. What what was your inspiration um, for 
uh, coming at it at the, the angle without giving away too much of the story because uh, the general pre- premises that there's a uh, um, a man who comes home from serving in the military so and and uh, goes off to um, visit uh, some places that he and his dad had had uh, frequented when they were in the mountains when he was growing up. So it sounds a lot like somebody we know. Um, so so uh, tell us a little bit about your inspiration for for the storyline and and uh, what what. Uh... Well, I, I have to tell you um, the. The Bitter Mountains of Montana will always call to me. In fact, going down to that conference and back was just very difficult to be there. I got really heavy-chested thinking that, oh, my gosh, this is home for me. Why am I in the middle of Tri-Cities and the scrub desert working at a nuke site, you know? Um, the the story, uh, aside from the characters that show up, the story is absolutely very much true for me. Um, when I got out of the military, I needed some rest and recovery time. I needed some alone time kind of to, to defrag. And I went out into the woods. I, I just, I went out camping and I just kind of pulled away and withdrew for a little while. And I watched the sunrise and the sunset and I breathed in the, the beautiful fresh air and I felt no stress. I felt all the, the buildup of the tension just kind of fall away. It was just an amazing experience to be up there. And the, uh, the story that I had in my mind was something that I started in eighth grade. So I'd be 13 years old. Uh, and I, I wrote a story for creative writing class. We had to come up with something. So I wrote this story about a guy who goes out in the mountains and he gets uh, captured and caught up and brought into a group of Bigfoot family and kind of learns their way and kind of has a choice to leave and he chooses to stick around. And when I came home from being in the military, this is a true part. When I came home from being in the military and I went out in the mountains, I was, I, I found myself walking the footprints of exactly what I wanted to write in my book in the eighth grade. So the the paper that I turned in in eighth grade was handwritten. And I think I, it, it might've been 12 pages. It wasn't, it wasn't a book, but it was, I got me a great grade on the, uh, for the class and I never saw that paper back. She never returned it to me. So I picked up where I left off. I decided, okay, I came out of the mountains in Montana after being in the military and as I started college, I thought, you know what, this is the time. The time is just at nighttime to, once I'm done with my studies with class, at nighttime I'll sit in front of the computer and I will do this for me. And I sat down and I started typing out my own story where, and I took myself, if you read the book, it is absolutely accurate from calling dad, getting on the trailhead, heading up the trail, the location of the trail, the, the, the waterfall and the, the, um, the creek that runs alongside the trail, the steep mountains, every piece of that is absolutely accurate to the angler's roost where I picked up my bait to go fly fishing. I mean, everything was absolute, um, step-by-step what I did that day. So it was was kind of fun to to lay it out that way because as a writer, if to come up with that much imagination, it takes a little bit of work, and I'm not that smart. So I just had to retrace my steps and put it in paper, so it made it easier. And uh, it took me four years to put it together. Um, When I graduated at college, 
my book had been complete and I was waiting for editing to be completed. And uh, it came to me on my first job. I got my very first book in my hands. It was my proof copy of my book, which to me was not only was I working the job that I had spent four years doing, but I was also looking at a book that I created over that same four years that had been brewing in my head since eighth grade. So it was just kind of a, everything came together and it was just a, a wonderful experience. Well, I got yeah, I I mean, to tell you that I, I've read the first one and I'm started into the second one, which is a, is a prequel basically to, to, uh, the first book. Right. But, uh, and I, I, I really enjoyed, um, I, I really enjoyed the first one tremendously and, and so far so good on the second one. So, um, you, you did it. I, I, it's just, you can tell that it's some written by somebody who's familiar with the, the, uh, area that they're writing about and, and, uh, so I have, I have to ask you, you know, the experience in, in book one, you, how much, you know, is that biographical, the entire thing? Because uh, you know what happens to the character in there. Right. Geographically, uh, as far as the landscape, everything, there is, uh, and what you hear and, and what you read in the book, um, you'll find all that up, up that trail. And it's a long ways up to go beyond the Bitterroot and get into the Bitterroot Selway area. And I've actually, I know this, this hillside, I know this, um, the, the cabin that I am referring to in the, in the book isn't nearly as nice as what I describe in my book, but you can tell that it once was a structure that stood, you know, pretty, pretty bold. And off to the left of it, if you're facing the cabin, off to the left of it, maybe a couple hundred yards away, is a tremendous rock slide that goes down the side of the mountain. And um, there's there's just so much accuracy to it. Um, so, I, and I try to tell people, yes, it, it all really happened. I'm still lost in the woods. But <laughs> nobody buys that. <laughs> well, Footprints of a Legend, I mean, that's the title of your first book. And it took you many years, you know, to, to, uh, to kind of uh, get this out there. I mean, to, to get it all set up and, and, and published edited and whatnot but uh, you know and what i love uh especially with these you know because it is a fictional book but there's a lot of truth uh those are my favorite type of books where there's a lot of truth to them uh, including the landscape the area that we're we're speaking of in your books you know what kind of uh russell what kind of research uh beside you know what you were actually around in, in an environment what kind of research did you do to to uh put this these books together i'm kind of glad you asked that question because in uh years ago when i grew up in the bitterroot valley there's a a book called uh back in the day it was a book called the bitterroot journal and it was a it was just kind of a local rag basically where people would you know write their stories and print it and everybody could read it if they wanted to it was more for entertainment value and maybe kind of let the locals know what was going on and the events that were about to take place. So it was, uh, it just seemed like the research that I've done on that kind of derived from that, that first book that I read out of the Bitterroot Journal. There was several stories on people that had had their Bigfoot stories and I read it and I was intrigued. Um, my whole Bigfoot interest began years and years ago when we, when I grew up back East and my dad took us to see the 
the Patterson Gimlin film. Since then, I've heard everybody's story. Um, I've talked to, I'm not kidding, I'm not nearly as good as you guys are on interviewing, but I've interviewed a lot of people on, uh, you know, what they saw, what they smelled, what they heard, what they felt, if they had that sense of being watched prior to. Um, I'm very curious about the whole spectrum. I mean, I want to, when people say, I saw Bigfoot and Bigfoot did this, I'm more interested in the detail. Okay, so you said that you saw Bigfoot. You saw that it turned and looked at you and turned away. Give me a visual. I'm gonna, I want to be able to close my eyes, and I want you to give me a visual of what that face looked like. And, and give me a visual and, get, and put me there. Tell me what you heard, what you smelled, what you did. Did you feel anything? Did you sense anything prior to or after it was gone? Did it scare you? And uh, a lot of times... Um, you know, it, I would say, and I don't know if you heard this through your interviewing or not, but a lot of times uh, I would say nine out of ten people would say they felt fear. And I thought if something is turned away from you and trying to escape being in your view, what would, why would you fear something that has spent so much time trying to get out of our way? You know, and, I, and uh, that always puzzled me. So that's... Um, so that's how, when I wrote the book, I basically put all this interviewing, all these stories together, and there were consistencies in everyone's story. Number one, the height and the size and the strength, and the and there's always that smell that goes with it. There's always uh, consistently there's there's a lot of talk about the howl that comes with it and the and the noise that they make, you know. And so I I tried to keep it um, realistic. Um, they talk about the strength of the the of Bigfoot being just incredibly strong and what I wanted to do and I'm sure since you read it I've kept them more uh realistic they're not superhuman they're not bionic they are absolutely powerful uh, a chimpanzee muscle is by pound per weight they are so much stronger than we are so I in the book I allowed them to have a lot of strength but not, but there was limits they can't go up and lift a Volkswagen they there's there are limits, and uh, well, so, uh, and yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, no, but I mean, no, I, when you read the book, remember the uh, the the tree that needed mm-hmm. more than one to lift it. I mean, that, and that's why I right. wanted to make sure there are limits. They're not mm-hmm. superhuman. They're not so. It was um, which I think is real, the re- like you said is realistic. I mean, that's you're yeah. talking about yeah. That but one of the things that fascinates me about about these creatures is the what thinking about what they're they would be uh, capable 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 of physically you know because they're they live in that environment and they dominate that environment so um, I think you captured that pretty well in 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 your books. Good deal. It's it. I I don't want the. I I want people to put down the book and not roll their eyes and think, oh yeah, right. You know that's so outlandish. You know, and and I think as humans we have our limits as animals or as as creatures. They are going to have their limits. Um, and uh, it just it seemed to be consistent with what I've heard uh, throughout my life. So I just wanted to make it um, very very realistic. And I'll, I'll, I'm going to give it away here. I'm going to, I'm going to tell a little secret here. But 
you have characters in that book. One of them has a red tint to it. The other one has a scar on its face. The other one has big giant ears. And I mean, you when you start getting into the characters, the thing is, is each one of my characters, to include the main character of the book, the parents, the sheriff. I mean, there's everybody in my book. Truly, is a real person that I know. I kind of so wondered about e- that too. Yeah, so it's easy <laughs> enough to keep their character in line because if I if I have a character um, that you know, if I have a character that's that's very strong and quiet and just scary to be around, but but just kind of you know that has just a giant force. I know a guy just like that. I mean, he's the kind of guy that if he if if you're sitting in a lounge and he comes <laughs> and opens the door and stands in the doorway, you're thinking, holy crap! I hope he's not <laughs> looking for me. You know. <laughs> Right. But each, each of the characters literally have somebody that that I base them off of because they react in my book the way that the person would react in my book, or, or, or the person would react in real life. Yeah, yeah. So well, that's, it's yeah, made that's, it kind of fun. Yeah, and that's cool. I that's a cool insight into how you develop because because in the book the the Bigfoot they're um, they are, definitely have individual personalities and and uh, different abilities. And I mean, it, you spe- you know you speculate, and all we can do is speculate on on how their culture works. And and I thought I, I mean I I I thought it was awesome. It was it was a it was a really good read. The the writing is good. I mean, it just you know the way that you draw out the pictures and and the images and all that stuff. It, to me, it was it was a really well well written book, and it's the way that you wove the you know it's and it's about Bigfoot and and what what they might be like, the parts that we don't know, which is ninety nine point nine percent of everything. So, it, right. it, I, I I highly would recommend if you have not read uh, Russell's books, um, mm-hmm. the Bitter Bitter Root trilogy, um, two of which are complete, a third one. Uh, we will be anxiously awaiting once I get through the second book, but <laughs> but go go find them. You can find them on Amazon. I mean, they're and they are they are definitely worth reading. Even, you know, yeah. even if they were even if they were just about Bigfoot, you know, we all Bigfooters take Bigfoot stuff. But these are really cool books, well written, uh, compelling stories. So yeah, I was going to say even, even the covers, it. even the covers of the mm-hmm. books. Uh, um, uh, I'm curious as to who did the artwork for the cover of of the well, actually all three books. I've seen the, the covers for all three, uh, but uh, they're different. They're a little bit different, and I like that. They're not the same old uh, uh, Sasquatch pictures you see out there depicted. They're different as individuals. They're the, actually the characters within the book. The first one, which is um, Footprints of a Legend. Um, if you see running down the right side of the face, there, there's a scar it goes from the, above the eyebrow down to beside the yeah. mouth, and that's a scar on the side of the face, which we call him, we've named it just Scarface because it just seems to fit. Um, yeah. But uh, when I did this, uh, when I started putting this together, that picture was drawn in the early '80s by a girl named Pamela McKee. <laughs> And she is one of the most – in fact, both books, if you get inside the cover of both books, I have given her acknowledgement in both those books, and she will be also in the third one too. She is uh, she is one of those people where uh, some people have a natural talent for singing, some people have a natural talent for uh, 
all these things. She can sit down and take what you're trying to explain to her and lay it out on paper. And it's scary that the way you explain it, she can put it there in front of you. Now, the second book and the third book, she actually, those came together in the last several years because she actually read the the first book. And I said, okay, now, what do you understand about the character that I want on the second book? And she put this thing together and sent me three or four different ideas. And I said, I like what you have in idea number two and three. Let's put that together and mix this. And, and she came out with exactly what I wanted. Um, she's just incredible. And, and the, the reason I say that is if there's anyone out there who's looking for an artist for um, any kind of uh, artwork for a book or sketching, that sort of thing, she's just really, uh, just to me, she's very amazing very detailed, and that's why she'll be on, every time I write a book, she will be the person who puts the cover on it for me. Yeah. Oh, so. well, it's fantastic. It really is. Uh, I really enjoyed uh, the artwork and the, the uh, well, Scarface, that's fantastic. Because, <laughs> you know, a, a lot <laughs> of, uh, a lot of descriptions of Sasquatch, uh, you know, for those that have seen a Sasquatch up close, do, uh, some of these witnesses do talk about scars or uh, facial deformities and whatnot, and, uh, um, I've yet to see another book or anything along those lines that depicts that, and I thought uh, uh, that was pretty uh, pretty awesome. So uh, kudos to kudos to her and, and kudos to you for including that as your front cover. Thank you. She's she's amazing. She's amazing. If you if anybody ends up with a book in their hands, if they want to make contact with it, they can find her through um, you know the information inside the book too. So um, amazing artist. Just amazing. Yeah. Well, Russell, let's talk a little bit about the backdrop uh, some more uh, on these books because Montana, I've never been to Montana, but it's always, I mean, you can ask my wife this, it's always been one of my favorite states. It just, it's the big sky country. It's, uh, it's got so much going for it. It just, you know, it's one of the, in my head anyways, and, and you, you would know better than I would, but it's one of those states that has a lot of mystery to it. It's one of the, the states that, is vast with a low population um, that has a tremendous amount of forest and woods. I mean, we're talking, you know, I think there's a, a million and a half acres alone in the Bitterfoot National Forest that extends from, you know, west central Montana all the way to Idaho, and you've got Glacier National Park, which is over a million acres. I mean, it's, that state is tremendous uh, in its, na- you know, its natural beauty and its vastness and there's so, I mean, I, I feel you when you said you, were, you felt homesick when you went there. Uh, I can only imagine. Having grown up there, you um, you take it for granted. I mean, it's sad to say that, but what, when I lived there, it was just, for me, I'd get out of school. It's a matter of get out of school, come home, make sure your homework's done so you don't get in trouble, and then lace up the boots. And there were times when I'd get home from school on Friday night, and I'd say, Mom, I'm, I'll, be, I'll be back. And I'd put the backpack on, and I'd head out to the, you know, straight up out of the house because we lived right in the, in the uh, backing national forest. So for me, it was easy just to grab the backpack and go. I'd come back Saturday, Sunday afternoon or Sunday evening, and and uh, the first thing she'd say to me is, "Take off your boots." It wasn't, "Gosh, I'm so <laughs> glad to see you. You didn't get eaten by a bear," you know. It was because that was she knew that was my element. I mean, being. If you surround yourself with trees and that kind of beauty and you go up and you set up a spot and you and you sleep for the night, whether you make a campfire or not, and you just listen to the night sounds, uh, for me, 
I, I struggled as a little kid with, you know, being afraid of the dark. And the whole idea was, you know, you, you go up into the, into the woods in the middle of the day and you lay down in a sleeping bag, bag and you close your eyes and you listen and you try to identify all those sounds. You go back to the same spot, exactly the same place, and go there at 2 o'clock in the morning or midnight, and those same sounds are still there. You've already identified them, and you realize there is nothing out here that's going to harm me. And you start becoming much more comfortable with the, with the backdrop. But like you're talking about, with, with millions of acres at your disposal, you, you do tend to take it for granted. It's just what you, what you do. It's, it's just uh, like guys in Seattle and Portland. They get up in the morning, they get in their car, they commute, they stop by, they get Sasquatch coffee. That's just what they do, right? <laughs> oh, nice so, plug. You like that? You like that, that plug? Yeah. yeah. Did I say Sasquatch coffee? <laughs> so, but, I mean, it's just it's, you tend to take it for granted because it's available to you. Right, so right. you you have your coffee place that you go to, or you have your steakhouse that you go to, and this is your routine. This is your life. In Montana, that's the routine. That's the life. You get up in the morning, and you're looking at this vast beauty, and you sometimes take a few seconds longer and watch the sunset or the sunrise, or you watch the the elk cross the road in front of you or the deer. It's just there's so much wildlife and there's so much natural beauty there, and right now being in in Montana, it's the fall and all the, the pine needles uh, are changing, the, the leaves are changing, and you have that beautiful yellow color out in the middle of the green, and it's just it, the contrast and the coolness in the air and the fog cutting across the top of the mountains. It just, you just ache. Uh, for me, I just ache. I, I can't just sit there and say, oh, gosh, what a pretty mountain. I'm, I'm sitting there thinking I need to be about – eight miles back behind that and see what's on the other side, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, it's uh, it's truly an amazing state. It's always that, that oh. state. I don't know why, but it's always just, uh, it's always ha- had something for me. Uh, and uh, I will need to travel there sometime. But it is truly an amazing state. And it's funny because um, over the last three years, I've met a couple, well, some of the very few researchers in that state, uh, including one that was at the Big, the Big Sky Conference, Tom Broadhead. Uh, he's one of the few BFRO investigators out there. And, uh, I mean, there's like a handful out there. And if there's a state other than, you know, the extreme Pacific Northwest that I think Sasquatch would be in, Montana screams to me for its vastness of forest and, and remoteness and stuff. I mean, do you agree with that? I mean, if Sasquatch is real, which I know it to be, but for those listening, I mean, if, if Sasquatch is real, Montana is perfect. It has everything you need. Um, and, and I'm going to kind of step on a soapbox here just for a second. Because yeah, one of my, do. during my presentation, I talked about um, the ability to hide. Okay, so, and during my presentation, I actually said something about there's 57 airplanes that have hit the ground between Spokane and Seattle. We've yet to find them. And they've hit the ground. They're not moving. They're not hiding. But for some silly reason, we can't find them. So in Montana, you're talking about these millions of acres of nothing but um, trees and mountain and, and everything you need. So there's, there's shelter. There's water. There's food. Everything that any animal needs to survive, it's all there. Why in the heck would they come out and walk the main street of Hamilton, Montana, and say, hey, guys, have you not discovered me yet? What's your problem? 
they're going to be out in their own element, hiding, not not really necessarily hiding, pretty much just staying out of our way. Now, guys, I'll ask you this. If you're sitting in your house in your living room and somebody walks in across uh, to the front door, to the hallway, and into your living room, you're going to know that something is in your house. So for something that lives in the wilderness, that's their house. And if we encroach onto that property, they're going to decide whether we get to see them or not. Because I know in my home, I will decide whether you get to see me or not and whether it's going to be a friendly visit or not, you know, that kind of thing. But still, the 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 being in the wilderness, there's there's everything is there for that that habitat. So I would think that there's plenty of hiding places, there's plenty of places to, to just go and research. And you're right, the terrain is there, the backdrop is absolutely perfect for that for that lifestyle and something to hide or something to to uh survive well and never be noticed. I mean that's it's perfect. Yeah. Yeah, I mean uh I was you know uh, Glacier National Park's on my bucket list, and I will make it there. I, you know, I grew up in Scotland, and I traveled. You know, eventually moved to San Diego, and so San Diego, we have limited amount of forests. You know, the Cuyamaca National sure. Forest and whatnot. So I always travel north. I went to San Bernardino Mountains. I went to Yosemite. Eventually landed in Oregon, and uh, was just blown away. I mean, I was in my element, uh, exactly where I should be, and. Uh, I look at states like Montana, you know, what's that? Then why are you moving, Shane? Uh, then why are you moving? You know what? <laughs> I just, yeah. Research first, buddy, research first. So I am moving, yes, research first. But Montana, uh, you know, I was looking at some of the stats, you know, like how many lakes were in the, the Glacier National Park. There's like 130 named lakes, and that was pointed <laughs> out, <laughs> named lakes. So I wonder how many unnamed lakes are. Uh that's hard for me to fathom because I know wh- how many lakes, you know, roughly we have here in Oregon and Washington uh, and nor- northern California, like the Sierras and stuff. And that's that's a tremendous amount of lakes. And, and you guys have moose and 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 bear. I mean, it, it, that state, uh, I don't know, I can't speak enough about it. And it's, uh, it makes me wonder what the heck you're doing in Tri-Cities. <laughs> you know, that hurts. I know. I know. You know what? I told you. I'm going to jab you. I'm going to jab you. Yeah. I'm, I'm already heart sick I've, I'm from leaving. I left Hamilton this morning. Yeah. You know, so it's still fresh in my mind, and you got to hit me with that. That's terrible. I'm going to sit here and, and get, sip get, my guess who's not getting coffee. And, <laughs> yeah. guess, guess who's not getting invited back to the uh, International Big Book Conference next year? Yeah. 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 I, I, yeah. you guess who's not going? Yeah. <laughs> so um, I'm going to challenge you guys something. I'm, I'm, I'm going to throw a challenge out there. And you guys are going to probably, <laughs> once we hang up, you guys are going to call me back and call me really bad names. But here's I'll, the I'll deal. I'll do it already. I won't wait. Yeah. Let's, let's take a, a month next year and force ourselves into it. You guys get as far as my house. The two of you get as far as my house. We'll jump in my truck. We'll drive to the Bitterroot Mountains of Montana. I will take you up to Lake Como. We'll take our backpacks and we'll spend three days up in the deep. And I, I promise you, you will see some of the most awesome, breathtaking landscape on the planet. But we'll only take a trail for so long, and then we're off the trail. And if we find, see, that's a, that's the other thing I wanted to throw at you is, is I like 
I, I don't mind getting on the National Forest Forest Service trails and going out and seeing, you know, if you follow this trail for this many miles, you will see this lake. I, I don't mm-hmm. mind that, but I like getting off that trail and exploring and finding what's not on the map. So if we get, if you guys want to, we'll go up, um, only take the trail for so far, jump off that trail and try to find the, the, the small water sources that people don't talk about then and see what we can find that's kind of off the beaten path. You only have to spend three nights in the woods with me out in up on Lake Como, but I, I promise you you'll come back and think that was a great experience. So are All you right. guys in? Or Shane probably just passed out. Shane probably just passed out. That's funny. Okay. That, and, yeah. What about you, Gunnar? Can you can you carry oh, a pack or do we have to carry you? Um, I, I can carry my own pack. Thanks. Well, you're, you're going to be loaded with, uh, you, somebody has to bring the coffee. I'm bringing the coffee, uh, uh, and I got the coffee, so don't worry about that. All right. All right. No, it sounds like an awesome time, so, yeah, I'll I do it for sure. You know what? Okay, let's let's plan on that, and, and I know that I can get a three- or four-day pass um, for my wife. She won't make me, uh, she'll actually let me go out with you guys, Despite your reputation, I'll be able to take you guys down the way. Jeez. Yeah, we're we're a rough crowd. So. Yeah, well, I, I appreciate I that. No, I think I think that would be a great experience for the three of us. Just kind of go out and see it, and uh, take 400 snapshots, and just just kind of do some exploring because it's it is really a wonderful. Um, and and you talk about rugged. I I know you guys understand what I say when I say rugged, steep, rugged. Um, tough terrain, but I know you guys can handle it too, so I think it'd be a great experience. Fantastic. Yeah, fantastic. You know, uh, well, you know what, what uh, I'm really looking forward to this, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hold you to this challenge. I am going to do it with you, and I'm looking forward to it, but what, what uh, you know, living in Montana, did, did you ever hear of any, uh, uh, you interviewed a lot of people. I, you know, I'm not sure exactly where or what time frame or whatnot, but in Montana, I mean, how many, uh, how is Bigfoot receptive there? I mean, how, how, you know, what are people's thoughts on Bigfoot? And did you ever hear of any encounters or knew anybody that had an encounter with Sasquatch in, in, in Montana? Yeah, actually, it was kind of interesting. There were, uh, I, I, you, do you remember at the uh, conference, my truck has my logo on the side of it, and it just says International Bigfoot Conference, and, and the, if people notice it, they don't, it, it's not, crazy but it's it's noticeable if, if uh, people take the time to read the label yeah well today on the way through um, we're coming through Missoula heading out back you know towards home and a car pulls up beside me and honks the horn and I'm thinking oh no somebody's gonna make fun of me and the lady uh, tells me uh, I rolled down the window and she said hey I've seen him and I said really well I- I'm gonna want to hear about this and I said take and we're in the middle of traffic you know, at a stoplight, I said, please take the number down off the side of the truck and call me. And she grabbed a piece of paper and wrote down the number. But she, real quick, she yelled at me. She said, it was in, is there a place called Aloha, Washington? Yes? No? Takers? Anyone? Uh, Aloha, Oregon. Oh, maybe. Maybe that would be. I, I thought she said Washington, though. There, there could when be. She called, I'm, I, I, I'm not aware of it, but there very well could be. I know there's one in Oregon because it's about uh, – 10 minutes from my house. <laughs> okay. Well, maybe that could be it. She, um, but she was, 
and she 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 looked like a pretty serious lady. You know, she was it, it wasn't she didn't have that uh, um, looking for a date kind of girl. You know, hey, I've seen you. Why don't you stop by? We'll talk about it and drink some fast class coffee. She was actually really um, uh, she she. She had that. You, you guys know exactly what I'm talking about. Somebody who really wants you to hear what they have to say because yeah. um, a lot of times people won't discuss it because there's a there's a stigma that comes with it. You know that maybe somebody's full of baloney. But I I'm telling you, I've I've met some people that I would bet my life on what they say to me. And she she had that look. She had that look like you know I, I really. I, I see by your truck you're not you're not making a joke about this. I really want to talk to you about this. So I, I really look forward to finding out um what she has to say. But she seemed pretty uh wow. um adamant about having that conversation with me. So I look forward to finding out where and the details of that and I'll share it with you guys. Oh, absolutely. Very cool. <clears throat> yeah, very cool. But as far as but, sightings in yeah, Montana, there uh the, we heard from the conference uh the other night. Um Misty Alaba ran the, um, uh, what do you call it? There's a word for it. Town meeting. The town hall. You Thank you. Town, town hall. hall. Yeah, you're welcome. Yeah, she, town hall. She, she ran the town hall meeting, and there were quite a few testimonials that came from right there out of the Bitterroot Valley. Um, and it, it was uh, it was received very well. It seemed like um, she she drew a pretty good crowd of just local people right there in the Hamilton, Missoula area. And I think uh, last year, when she did her conference, uh, see, I grew up in Arlee, Montana, which is on the reservation, Flathead Indian Reservation. Between Cedar Lake and Arlee is the Jocko Valley where um, there seemed to be a lot of activity there. And I had no clue. I grew up there, and I had no clue that the natives um, had a lot of stories and a lot of discussion about sightings in that Jocko Valley so it seems to be um, pretty commonplace for the for the Montana as once you get off of that beaten path, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. Well, that's very similar to uh, uh, stories here in in the Pacific Northwest, uh, you know, uh, uh, Washington, Oregon, where um, these uh, uh, Native Americans and on these reservations they they. They a lot of them take it for granted. It's like you know, uh, oh yeah, Sasquatch is there, and they've got plenty of stories and history. Uh, there's really something to that. Uh, we're talking about people that have been living um, way before white men ever came around, and stories that are handed down uh, from generation to generation. I would assume you know Montana's got a great history uh, with the Native Americans, especially with the reservations that uh, you know are, are not really shared that often. Uh, and, uh, you know, we have many reservations out this way where it's just, you know, oh, yeah, Sasquatch or, you know, Bigfoot or the Hairy Man or Stick Man. I mean, it's it's prevalent. and <clears throat> But it's not, you know, they don't really just, you know, Native Americans, I mean, for the most part, it's a given in a lot of ways. And it's not discussed, uh, you know, unless you kind of poke at them or know them. But you grew up on a reservation. That's that's pretty or, you know, uh, that's pretty dang cool. I, I am well what what was disappointing for me is I'm a white kid in a reservation going to school as a high schooler and I really wasn't that popular. I'm not gonna make any bones about it. I was kind of a nerdy kid. I in fact I graduated high school. No, I you guys have totally you guys have met that. me. I'm over 
Yeah. Hey, now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you guys have met me. I'm I'm over six feet tall, right about 235 pounds. So you know who I am now. But when I graduated <laughs> high school, you guys can figure this out. I was five foot six, weighed 116 pounds, and I still talk like a a little prepubescent kid because that's what I was. So can, you can imagine on a reservation a prepubescent. 17-year-old senior graduate that was smaller than the freshman, I was really <laughs> popular, okay? I was the uh, – so I didn't play any outsider. sports because, I, yeah, I was a complete outsider. I had I had no no suntan. I was just not cool. I was gangly and awkward and weird. So I don't think they really wanted to share any of their, their culture or their secrets with me. But once I got back out, I periodically will go back to Arlie and meet up with some of my old classmates and uh, – some of the Vandenbergs, the Thomases, the Steiners, there were, there's quite a few butlers that are still there that are natives that will actually sit down with me and have open dialogue about the stories that their their ancestors discussed with them. And I'll tell you what, it was an eye opener to hear some of the some of the things that I was right there. I I was in the Jocko Valley as a, a nerdy kid. And I could have been kind of involved more with some of the things that they knew about, and they—I I just wasn't cool enough to share it with. And I get that, but as an adult, they're—they're they're more willing to talk to me. And uh, there's a ton of history there, absolutely a ton of history. And it's—it's uh, it's disappointing because I, I could have—I I feel like I lost a lot of years of research in that area. But um, I can always circle back to it now. I, I feel a lot more welcome there now that I've grown up. I think. <laughs> well, now you're now that you're here in in well up in Washington, uh, you know, having left Montana and whatnot. Uh, what what has your experience been uh, here in in Washington, up there in Washington? What's your experience been, and uh, you know, has your research or with the subject matter that we're talking about tonight? I mean, has it progressed? Uh, in favor of of Sasquatch being real, I mean, what's going on there? Uh, you moving from Montana, fantastic state, to Washington, a fantastic state. Tri Cities, you know, we're talking more of a, a deserty area. Um, I know you've done a lot of traveling. You, you've been down to California uh, with Ann Davies and Ed Brown and and a lot of individuals, Kirk Brown. So, how has that progressed? I'm glad you asked. We actually have. Uh... There's a we have a research group. We call ourselves the Five Journeys. It's Dan Lindholm who actually has his uh, his he does his Big Truth YouTube uh, station as well. Uh, Ed Brown who does a lot of interviewing as well. And you're right, Adam Davis and Kirk Brown and myself. Now we've been we've done a little bit of research um, in a couple of different places. One of them was um, and way down in Northern California, um, close to Lundy Lake, and it was. We have not, between the five of us, there's too many hot spots that we hit that these guys are wanting to just kind of follow back up on and go check into. And we've done that. You know, we I, I follow these guys' uh, advice when they say, hey, this is a better hot spot than, than this this phone call you got. Let's, let's check it out. So as far as being able to do any research in Washington State, and especially in the Tri-Cities area, I'm in the top of the scrub desert area. It's there's a lot of sagebrush here. There's a lot of sand. Right. Um, but as far as anything here close to me, 
there's there's very very little so um the research that we've done has been uh we've we've done some research in Oregon we've done some research in California I'm going to talk to the guys about a something I've heard about up in Idaho um northern Idaho that's supposed to be pretty impressive but basically what will happen is each of us if we hear about something we'll go up and individually personally one guy go up and kind of follow up on it and make sure that there's is something that before you drag in the team it's there's a lot of time and expense that goes into um you know Kirk Brown, Adam Davis and uh uh Ed Brown all three are in California so for them to come all the way up to northern Idaho close to me it's a it's a couple hour drive for me it's all the event for them and they had to come through uh, Oregon and grab, you know, uh, Dan Lindholm. So it's before I drag those guys up here and do a, re, you know, bring everybody in on a on something northern Idaho. I'll go check it out. And if there's something legitimate or something that I think is really going to need everybody to to kind of gather in and bring all the brains to the to the thing, then we all will converge on that area. But um, I've yet to do any research in the state of Washington except for uh, close to um, my home here within 100 miles is the Blues. Um, it's the yeah, watershed yeah. area. Yeah, I, I knew that was I knew that was what was coming. Um, yeah. <laughs> the watershed area has got uh, one of my – I have a, a buddy of mine who's, the, um, who's now currently the um, law enforcement in Garfield County. And he, you know, I've talked to him about, you know, why can't I go out in the watershed area and spend a couple of nights? And there's a law, uh, the federal law says you cannot go out into a watershed area and spend the night. You have to go in and come back out. You can't stay there and go deeper into the into the area. And I, I find that very, um, all that makes me want to do is go do it. You know, come on, guys. Right. <laughs> I can't do something. Why can't, why can't I Rebel. go further than one day's walk? You know, don't, don't tell me that. So I asked my law enforcement buddy, so if I, uh, you know, if I, if I went and did that and just had somebody drop me off and I took off and, and went, you know, out, he said, you'd, you'd be facing some pretty serious penalties. Don't do that. I'm going to advise you. And I said, now, are you telling me that wink, wink, or are you telling me that don't do that? And he said, <laughs> he got real serious and very quiet. He said, do not do that. So I got to find a way to get in and out of the watershed area in a day. So wow. It's, wow. Um, I mean, that goes, to, that goes to speak about, you know, uh, and there's, a, there's other areas like this, uh, but, it yeah. goes to, you know, it's, it, you know it, it just makes you wonder, you know, why we have not progressed I mean, significantly in this research, and and I think some of the reasons are reasons as you speak of now. Uh, some areas are just off limits. You know, we uh, it's it's the same with, <clears throat> pardon me, some of the reservations. You know, uh, there's uh, certain areas in Washington where, you know, I know to go to, uh, but I cannot spend a night or uh, do what I really right. want to do, and that's one of those areas that, and I'm aware of the law, and I'm aware of that area. Um, but it makes you wonder, you know, well, I mean, wow, could, you know, this could be a fantastic area, and no wonder we're not getting anywhere. I mean, if you could spend a significant amount of time in the watershed area, I mean, who knows? Right. Well, if you, when we say watershed area, I don't know if the, your listeners are understanding. The watershed area isn't just, you know, a couple of square miles. We're talking a vast right. wilderness. You can't, uh, you can't walk in 
and span the distance of the watershed and come out the other side in a day. We're talking days and days. This is a lot of land, but it's protected, and it's and uh, and I've, I've from what I've heard, there's been um, a lot. It seems to be kind of a hot spot. But where you, as far as where it is, as far as where the hot spots are, people kind of keep that near and dear to them and don't really give a whole lot of location out right away. Um, but it's it's a tremendous, like you're talking about, you're talking so many acres. Uh, right. It would take you days and days just to get through it, and that's just one trail down the middle of it. You're not gonna you're not gonna cover that whole span in in very in, in one day's hike. So right. as a protected yeah. area, I get that. I I respect when you want to protect an area and protect the privacy of a um, of land. I mean that's just that's what we need to to acknowledge that and stick to the rules. But it's a difficult rule to to stick with. I got to tell you, it's it's a, a, it is <laughs> quite beautiful. Uh, and I've heard the stories. I mean, we've all uh, around here. There are a few guys here locally that do research. I don't know if you guys. Uh, there was a an episode on finding Bigfoot. Um, the guy Reggie Bird is a local guy out of Walla Walla, and Reggie Bird is a is a very serious guy when it comes to his research. And he said, "Yeah, there are some areas that I that I do some research in." And and I said, "Would you share some of that information with me? Would you take me up?" And and he kind of he has that little little smile. He said, "Yeah, yeah, we can we can talk about it." But I think he's hesitant to take anybody up because it's kind of his it's his uh, him and his the guys that he does research with they they hold it pretty personal, and I don't think they really want to throw too much at people that they don't know and I respect that as well um, yeah. he's a but he's a definitely a serious uh, with his research serious with with his findings um, he's he's told me he's I've I've seen tracks we've, we've, we've his group has has found footprints up there and and had some um, audio that they've come across as well so I think there's a lot to his research and I think that he's not ready to to run to the the media with it, I think that he's mm-hmm. he's a good serious researcher, and he doesn't want to to. Um, I mean, he's like you guys too. You know, you're not going to run out and say, "Hey, this this broken stick I have in my hand, Bigfoot did this." I mean, he's going to have a lot more to it than you know, just something that right. Something you know, he'll have legitimate, yeah. absolutely, right. absolutely. Right. So, and I and I respect that. One of these days, maybe. Um, you know, we'll get a chance to go up together, but uh, the that area I've, I've been told is a pretty good hot spot. I know the Cascades are. Uh, there's been some talk about, you know, some some things in the Cascades as well, and I've yet to get out there and do any research. But I don't want to yeah. be considered a lazy researcher because I I do. We get out a lot, and um, for our our group, we have some really good equipment. We've got the trail cams. We've got military grade night vision goggles and some uh, thermal imaging. We've, I mean, we've got the equipment, and we definitely put it to good use when we get out there. Um, yeah. So. Well, I mean, you guys just, have uh, the equipment, and you have, uh, I mean, some people that uh, I'm impressed with. I mean, working with you, you know, and, and, and you guys got a great little group together here. You know, uh, we're talking about Kirk Brown and Adam Davies, Adam Davis and, uh, you know, and whatnot. And um, you Talk a little bit about uh, 
some of the people that you're going out with now, and, and maybe, uh, you know, I know you've been uh, you've been all over the place, Russell, as of as late. I mean, you've been doing a lot. you got a lot of miles uh, under your belt here. Uh, talk talk a little bit about your, um, you know, uh, the people you're working with now, what they bring to the table. Uh, and, you know, I don't know if you guys have had any uh, experiences or not. I know you're uh, very much a skeptical, and that's, that's awesome uh, and very – uh, something I respect, but you're very much a skeptical guy on a lot of the stuff that's out there and, and, and experience and whatnot. So, uh, okay, we got. I I'm not gonna, and this is if I say this, I'm not trying to to tell to say anything bad about anybody else in the group, but I will right. tell you the brains the brains of the group. Uh, I definitely have to say is Adam Davis. That guy has got more brains in his uh, left pinky than I think the four of us have you know, behind him. He's just, he's absolutely amazing. A very quick thinker, very analog. He'll analyze things. He'll process it quickly. Um, he knows we get out in the woods and he, he's very directive. He'll, he'll say, okay, this is what we need to do. Guys, we need to set up this. And I mean, he just, he lays it out and he makes it very easy for, he makes us look good because he, he has a plan. I mean, we're two days out from even going and he already knows what we're going to do. So I mean I love that about him. Highly organized, just high, just very skill level ten, if you want to put it that way. So having him in the uh, as as the lead guy, um, he's very easy to follow, very um, fun to deal with, very professional. He can cut up and have fun with the rest of us, but I tell you what, when we hit the tree line and we're out there, he's all business, and he's he's just a just a tremendous researcher. So having that guy as a lead is great. Having uh, uh, Ed Brown, um, Ed Brown has had what he thinks uh, he he's he's not put his thumb on it and said this is absolutely true. You know, for fact is absolutely not fact. He has something that uh, he had an experience that he believes to be, but he he won't. Um, he said, you know, without without further research on it or without further evidence, he said I I'm not gonna run out and say I had my, an experience. He said I I think. I might have seen something, but I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna be that guy, you know. So, and I and I totally respect him. He's done a lot of research. He knows a tremendous amount of people in the field. He's done interviews with all just a ton of people, and he's he's just a knowledge base. If you if you guys ask me, hey, do you know so and so? I'm gonna sit there and look at you with a deer in the headlights, uh, <laughs> and I'm gonna look to the left and say, Ed. Well, what do you know? Mm-hmm. And Ed will say, oh, yeah, well, we did an interview with him. And, and I mean, he, he's just a, a wealth, a dictionary of information. So he's fantastic to have because through interviewing, he's learned a lot. He's actually done a lot of field research. He's actually been out there boots on the ground. So he's a he's just great to have in that capacity. Um, then you got Kirk Brown. He's the... He's the guy who likes to stay in the shadows. He does not like the spotlight. If I mean, if, in the camp site... Oh, he he is game on with Kirk. You can't say anything to offend the guy. I've tried. Trust me, I've I've really put it to the test. Uh-huh. He's got uh, he's but as far as his knowledge base goes, he's what you would call the guy who spends the time in the mouth. He'll put the boots on and say, "Hey, I'm just going to go out for a little walk." Three days later, he comes back in dripping wet. Hey, you know, I found this hair and uh, followed this trail, and he's. <laughs> He's just he's very comfortable and at home in that environment. He loves being um, behind that tree line. He loves doing his research. I got to spend some alone time with him, um, you know, when we went up to into Soha, and 
kind of going. We're both military men, so when we get when we hit the tree line, it's quiet, and we we signal each other with hands. We we know we kind of get in each other's heads, and we just cover our territory, and we're we look. And uh, I love working with that guy because of that whole mindset. He's super smart, super knowledgeable, and he really brings just all of that to the table and a wealth of information. And then when the day's over and you're kicked back to the camp at night, you you have to brace yourself because Kirk Brown, you have no idea what he's going to say next. And if you're not ready for it, it'll catch you off guard and either <laughs> – some people might be offended. Some people might spend a week howling, laughing about what he just said. But he's just an amazing character. You've got uh, Dan Lindholm. Um, Dan is an Oregon guy, and when he's not at work, he's a hardworking man. When he's not at work, he's out in the in the in doing his own research. He does a lot of his own research by himself because he's just no. I don't know too many people that will keep up with him. Um, but he's very – he's got his eye on uh, – he, he has a, a tremendous knowledge base on structures. Um, anything that has to do with, with something that could possibly be a structure, he'll be able to recognize, okay, that's, that's, not, that's nothing. Keep walking. You know, stop wasting my time. Or he'll see something and uh, he'll be able to piece it together and say, you know, guys, you need to take a closer look at this. Look at how these things are brought together. This was not an accident. This was purposeful. You know, uh, somebody put this together uh, with intent. And uh, he's just, um, for him, it's just a knowledge base of knowing the terrain, understanding how the the things work. You know, he, he'll see things in the woods that, you know, we've all walked past. And he'll say, guys, are you freaking blind? You don't see this? And when he shows you, when he he'll... he'll kind of explain what he's seeing. But he's he's uh he's definitely the leader of material as well. He likes to I mean he has a plan to, you know, when he hits the tree line, he knows what he wants and he's he's looking for the same things and he's he's got a different perspective. Um and and he goes after it as well. So I mean all the guys and, and the the weakest link, that's me. I'm just a I'm just a mountain kid <laughs> from Montana. I mean I can I can I can I'm a tracker. I, you know, you you uh, and as far as technology glo- goes, I I like using my night vision goggles. I like using my abilities in the mountains. That's one thing. That's the only thing I really bring to the table. I don't bring the knowledge base that these guys do, but I do bring. Um, if they say, well, it's 400 yards straight down the side of this mountain, and then you got to cut across 800 yards and straight back up and try to get up underneath those cliffs, I'm the guy. Send me. I'll do it. <laughs> you know. I, I love that part of it. And as far as, um, and I'm a tracker, that's that's something that uh, Kirk Brown and I both really enjoy doing. I love, uh, I'll lay down in the forest ground and I'll see where the where the dew has been disturbed. I'll see where an impression is that shouldn't have been there. And, and I like my tracking. That was one of the things I, in Montana, that I did as a game hunter. Um, and I consider myself pretty darn good at it. There are people that are much better than me. I'm certain of that, but I I think I'm pretty good at it. So, um, but cohesively, the five of us, we all have our strengths. Um, we all communicate well. Uh, just being, I think I think that's where um, I go to work 
on a nuke site, and I deal with people that that don't see my way of seeing things. <laughs> That's as nice as I can put it. Wow. <laughs> um, a bunch, you mean a bunch of they, idiots? No. <laughs> uh, those are your words in case somebody's listening I'm just going to say that we don't always see eye to eye uh, but these guys uh, but but you deal with that every day and I know that um, Kirk Brown deals with that I know that Ed Brown deals with that I know Dan Lindholm and his job he deals with people that in the civilian world just simply don't get it but when we all get in the woods together we've had enough of the BS of how people are in traffic and how people are in a uh, in a work setting, and we look across each other at the campfire, and it just there's a calm and there's a cohesiveness that happens, and we all just absolutely get it. It's it's five men, one mind, and and one goal, and it's just really um, it. I've I've never felt better than being around these guys than doing our research, and that, and I'm uh, not that it, truly. That truly is is key to me to this research. I work with the Olympic Project, and I've been around a lot of groups. I won't mention names, but there is uh, <laughs> so much decisiveness, uh, you know, uh, so much decisiveness and, and, and uh, people disagreeing and whatnot. It's really important and nice when you can find a group of people, male or female, that um, have like-minded goals and ideas and um, stay away from all the banter and uh, all the online stuff and really just are about the subject and uh, uh, backing each other and, and, and bouncing ideas and, and whatnot. That's, that's truly important. And it sounds like you guys have a bit of an A-team here with all sorts of different backgrounds. Uh, and, uh, but at the end of the day, you guys may disagree on certain things, but you're like-minded and have the same goals. That, that to me is uh, key to this research or any research. Uh, I mean, I mean right. does that make sense? I mean, really, truly. It does absolutely. Uh, what you know, one of the things that's I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna give, gonna give away a couple of our trade secrets. Not really. I'm just kidding. Uh, basically, <laughs> when we started when we started doing our our um, our research, we had a kind of pivotal moment. Um, you know, we were kind of getting to know each other. We were doing our thing out in the woods, and we were following direction, and we were trying to – you have five guys that were all trying to lead, then we're all trying to follow, and then we're all trying to lead. Just that first few hours of, okay, okay, all right, no, I'm no, I'm not in charge. No, okay, well, who is, you know? And then it just kind of all – it seemed like a, a click. Adam Davis said, okay, guys, this is, let's, let's, let's do this. And we were actually in Kirk's area, and Kirk looked at Adam, and it was kind of a, yeah, good idea. Let's, and he, and he just simply started grabbing things to do, and to go where Adam had, you know, what Adam had suggested, and me and Dan and Ed were, oh, duh, of course we're gonna, yeah, let's go. So it just, it was at that pivotal moment where we all decided, okay, this is where we're going with this. And we were five different things. Here I am, a military guy. Kirk does his thing. Adam has just come to the U.S. Um, uh, Dan Lindholm, he's a he's a he's a leader in his job. You know, he's management. Um, uh, Kirk is a he he does his thing. He's kind of in charge of his life. And Ed Brown, he's in charge of what he does. He works for himself. Me, I'm I'm a, in my 
field. I lead. I, I'm in charge of things that people don't like me to be in charge of. I'm a safety guy on a nuke site, so they hate seeing nukes. <laughs> so it's so it, we're all leaders in our own way, and it was a it was really neat to see us all decide. Okay, this is this makes sense. We're going to follow this direction. We're going to run with it. So there's one night. We're all sitting there, and we're just, we're just kind of looking at each other, you know. Hey, you know, we're, we are pretty cool, aren't we? You know, we we got this because <laughs> we had cast a footprint. We've we'd uh, um, done some research in in uh, this just tremendous mountainous area full of trees and water and rocks and scary cliffs. It was just gorgeous in California, and and it was at nighttime, and we're we got the campfire going, and we're kind of looking at each other, thinking. You know, by candlelight, you, you're not any prettier than you are in the daylight. And we start talking our banter back and forth, you know, kind of. Dan Lindholm grabs his guitar and he starts, you know, he, he starts just kind of soothing out the night with just kind of Dan doing his thing, you know, just playing some music and us talking and between songs and BS. And he played a song, and I, I to this day I don't remember what it was, but it was something that it was weird because he played this song that wasn't a friendly song, it wasn't a sad song, it was a song that, and I looked around the campfire, and all five of us were a billion miles away. You could say you were crying. Uh, uh, no, I, I'm not going to admit that that I was crying. <laughs> but there were tears. There were tears. <laughs> but we had we we were all. It took us someplace that was very solid, very serious, very and and literally. And that's kind of how the name came through was five journeys because we all took five different journeys away from that campfire. And his song took us someplace. And when the song was over, we were all right back at that campfire looking around at each other. And I thought, you know what, guys, this is, that was a very moving song band, wonderfully done. And everybody there at the campfire thought, wow, that was, that was a, a, a really cool, um, thing you know we're all here with the same mindset that we want to have we want to find something we want to see something we want to be able to uh you know do research and see what we're made of as far as researchers go and um it was something that we were not at odds on any level it was just comfortable and we we had some pretty long conversation that night about okay guys so as a research team we want to make sure, and, and everybody agreed, you know, everybody was openly discussing, we don't want to come forward with something that says, you see this you see this photograph, this dark thing right here? We believe this to be, uh, we didn't want that. We all agreed that if we bring something to the table, it was going to be something you could put your thumb on and say, that is absolute fact, that is uncontested, and there will never be questioned about what we bring to the table. And... Uh, we said it was either all serious or not at all, and you know, a raise of hands, everybody was 100% in, 100% about all serious. And if we have nothing to bring to the table, it's okay. Next trip, you know. Right. So it was, uh, it was just agreed upon and, and very comfortable and, and uh, unanimous vote. So and well, that's well, I, I, it, yeah. yeah, the something I, I truly is, appreciate that. Cool. But I got to ask yeah. you. Um, you know, what constitutes uh, research for you guys, uh, you personally and, and the group? I mean, you guys are going out there, you know, uh, say I'm to head out with uh, this group of individuals, and many of them I, I, I look up to personally, 
and I've been out with, you know, including Adam Davis. Uh, I've been out with him, and he's amazing uh, uh, and, and fantastic. But you guys got this group formed um, of like-minded individuals uh, with the same goals. What constitutes research? For, I mean, what, what is research to you guys? What are you guys trying to do, uh, you know, as a whole? <laughs> to bring something, well, like like any other. Okay, so here I am. You guys are asking me something where I'm speaking for the group, and I certainly right. don't want the group to to say, oh, seriously, don't put words in my mouth. I wasn't thinking that, but I am going to make an assumption here. Okay, and I'm and I'm not going to say definitively that this is what Adam wants, this is what Dan wants, this is what Ed says, this is what Kirk says. I'm going to say, and I'm going to go out on a limb here. We when we go out and we look and we research, what we're looking for is something that we can bring to the table and show at a presentation or bring to the people that are not lucky enough to get out and do the research. So what we're looking for is something that we can bring to the table. Um, who knows? Maybe maybe we'll be the group that's out and we're looking and we get close enough to where we have a um, something on uh, – thermal imaging that shows something walking across an open span, or maybe we'll be the next group or the next guys that have something that is uh, equivalent to the Patterson Gimlin film or, I mean, and yeah. that, I mean, that's, that's reaching for the stars there, but you know what I mean? I mean, yeah. we're looking for something that we can, we, we want to validate what the myths have been talking about. We want to bring something solid and tangible that says, you know what, this is, you know, the naysayers, it's time to, to take a look at this evidence and you have to admit this is absolute. And we'd love to be able to bring that kind of proof to the table. And I think that's yeah. uh, ultimately for us, that's something that we want to we wanna be able to bring. But in the meantime, if we, if we go out and we spend five days up in this gorgeous setting in California in the high mountains with nothing but beautiful sunrise and sunset and hanging out at the campfire with some of the most awesome researchers on the planet, we come back empty-handed, I still call that a success because these are are great guys. Yeah, I truly appreciate that answer. I really do because, you know, um, I I work with great groups of people and individuals, and uh, that's kind of our goal. Uh, You know, know, the one project's goal is to study – this phenomena and whatnot. But, I mean, I hope the best for those groups out there, such as, you know, the group you have here, Russ, uh, that are serious about the subject and and, and really animate about bringing uh, you know, really tangible things to the table. I appreciate that, and I hope the best for groups like this. I really do. And then it gets me excited talking to individuals like you uh, because I, I know you guys are in it for the right reasons. You know, it's not about – fame or fortune because there's really nothing there. It's it's really about working with individuals that are like-minded and bringing something really substantial to the table uh, that science will recognize and maybe go go forth with, you know. And, I mean, how how important is, is that to you? I mean, uh, science, you know, scientists, science as a whole needs to be more involved with this. Um, it's an argument all day. You know, mo- this subject matter really is, you know, I mean, <clears throat> even with my own family members, it's kind of a joke. I take it very serious, as do many. But And, and science looks at it kind of like, eh, you know. But 
there are individuals involved with this. You know, you got Meldrum, Bender Nagel, and these other individuals, John Mainzinski. Uh There's many uh, that are scientists that are that have the credentials to look at this subject uh, matter. But how important is it to you to get science more involved? I mean, is that part of why you're, you know, doing the International Bigfoot Conference? I would assume so, but I don't know. So glad you asked. <laughs> okay, okay. I want I want to throw a couple things out there. I don't want to get too far off on a segue here, but um, you've re- you've referred to this as my group, and I and I and I I know you're saying that just because I'm involved in the group. The group right. is not my I, group. Yeah. It's not at. A, I mean, we're just a group. We're just a cohesive that way. So, so just for the record, I, I don't want it to. You, yeah. you group. You the, the, the you group. The, 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 there's five of us. We're the Pentagon crew. I don't know. You want? Um, but the, we're uh, no. We all have that same goal in mind. We and, and that's the thing. I'm I, I'm so glad you touched on that because it's scientific proof that we're after. I don't want. Uh, Ed Brown said said it best, and uh, he he said, you know, when we're looking for evidence, if somebody says. Okay, we're on this well-used trail that 400 people in any given day goes up and down. Six feet off the trail is a broken branch, okay? We're not going to take a snapshot of that and run out and say, oh, my God, we have proof. Bigfoot snapped this twig, and it's right here. And, uh, oh, my goodness. We we can't do that because, okay, could, what? could Shane Corson have gone up ahead of us and snapped that twig? Okay, so Ed's... Uh, Ed's uh, idea behind that is, could somebody have faked that? And if so, right. how feasible is it that somebody else did that and it wasn't Bigfoot related? So we, we shy away from all of that stuff. And and uh, and you touched earlier saying that I was kind of the biggest skeptic. And it's it works for us as a group. Um, I don't I can't say that anybody in the group is overzealous and says, hey, there's a twig break. Yeah, that's that's definitely Bigfoot. And have to argue with the other four and say, no, it's not. No, it's not. I mean, we all kind of, we all get it. So yeah. that's the part where that I love about these guys is because we're all realists. But me being the guy, and now uh, Dan Lindholm has had his experience and has had his, his experience, Kirk Brown, um, Adam Davis. So they've all had their research and they all have their reasons why they're uh, pursuing this. Me, I... I don't want to find a footprint and say, well, guys, here it is. There's definitive proof that Bigfoot exists. I'm going to, I'm the guy who says, well, did you actually see Bigfoot pass by here and make that footprint? And where's the photograph that shows him making this footprint? I'm that guy. I don't want, yeah. because according to the Ed Brown theory, which I, I, that's a new catchphrase. I'm going to have to make something out of that. But <laughs> according to Ed Brown theory, that's basically, could somebody have faked that footprint? Or could somebody have faked that structure? Is it close enough to a trail that this could be? Um, because you guys understand what I'm saying. When when mm-hmm. somebody wants their name in the paper, and they're gonna do, they're gonna pull a, a, you know, make something up and get the media involved so that you know everybody knows who Russ Acord is because he found this footprint. Well, uh, ten minutes before that photograph, Russ was out here with a big cast pushing that footprint into the ground, and he faked ah. it. So and that's that's where Ed Brown made sense to me, where he said, "Hey, you know, could that have been faked? And if so, then we're not going to run to the table with that." And I absolutely 100% agree with him. Um, you, we want 
what we bring to the table, I want hair. I want um, something that is different than just a dark spot in the back of the photo 400 yards out that looks like it might be a hand holding a tree. Um, right. I, we, want, we want something uh, as a group. We want to bring something that is different than absolutely different and uncontestable. So, and scientifically, a hair would do that. Scientifically, a, I mean, if we're digging through a rock slide and we find a skeleton, oh my goodness, we've really got something. You know, we're, uh, yeah. we're, <laughs> we're looking for, yeah. And we're not, and I, and for the group, I can tell you, we're, we're not looking for our name on the front page of a newspaper and, and uh, National Enquirer, you know, the five journeys sound something really amazing and then find out, you know, uh, maybe ten weeks prior to that, somebody planted it. Whoops. Yeah, yeah. Whoops. yeah. So yeah. <laughs> we're we're we never want to be caught in that trap. So we're not we're pretty selective, absolutely careful of what we step forward with because our we're new and our reputation will depend on those those first critical things that we bring to the table. And if we bring BS to the table the first three times, we'll never get a fourth option. You know, so, are, so, we, so you're, you're talking about any any evidence that you your group would would collect would be vetted before it would ever be presented to the public. I mean, you're yeah. that's yeah. I mean, which makes is where we come from. I mean, I I I'm tired of the half-assed presentations of stuff that is presented as factual evidence. Because when we talk about science, not you know, giving poo-pooing the subject of, of Bigfoot, um, the the field of of quote-unquote researchers uh, is partially a good deal responsible for that because of the way that that evidence has been presented in the past. So it's time for I groups think- like 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 you guys and the group the Olympic Project and the Tillamook Forest Group and other groups that. To to apply more rigorous uh, a, a more rigorous a, approach to to processing evidence before we like run, like you say oh I found Bigfoot's whatever you know well you guys were speakers at the conference and you guys know I and I hope we sent that message out there that um, and we 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 had a couple. Uh, I, I have to say that when anything that comes to, to the stage of the International Bigfoot Conference um, moving forward will absolutely be uh, carefully selected because I don't want Shannon Gunner to come to the table and say, here's my proof, and find out right. that they have nothing to back it up with. If you come to the table and say, hey, I have scientific proofs and this is it and, and I've checked it out and, and take my word for it, okay? And no, I'm not doing that. I, if, if you're going to come to me and say you have a, uh, a fingernail from Bigfoot, you know, you better have uh, supporting evidence from uh, and the analysis. And absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> okay, because right. I, I, I'm not going to have somebody hit that stage and share the stage with people like you or or some people that have spent their their reputation and and put it on the line 
for their research and then have somebody else on stage, you know, with with a big giant uh, piece of excrement and say, hey, Bigfoot, push this out. You know, I'm not, I can't have that. So uh, scientific, that. Yeah. scientific evidence has to be um, backed and proven. I, I have no problem putting Dr. Jeff Meldrum out there on that stage because yeah. you guys know he's a serious cat. He's not going to say, hey, I think, I'm kind of hoping this is real and uh, mistake my reputation on it. He's not that guy. You know, he, Absolutely. He, he has too much to, to put out there. So I think um, that's what we want. That's what we the IBC is about, and that's what I know the Olympic Project is about. Derek Randall's hit that stage and didn't go up there and put his hands on his hips and say, I have definitive proof that Bigfoot exists, <laughs> and here's my snapshots of these these uh, these nests. I mean, he, he said that he was very careful in how he presented that. You know, this is very, very um, much in line with the characteristics of the primate. Uh, this, I, I mean, he, he. I loved his his presentation because he. No, he, he, yeah. was, he, he is yeah. no nonsense about it. Yeah, it's no, and it's yeah. all right. It's it's very refreshing in in the Bigfoot community to have that approach. It's the Bigfoot yeah. last. You know, we we the burden of proof is on the the person who's bringing forth evidence and saying and and purporting that it may have something right. to do with an unknown unproven uh, primate. Right. He was absolutely upfront about it, and I love that. What I also respected is is um, he didn't come up and say, hey, um, he didn't look at us and say, hey, guys, you know, I know you put this conference on. I know that you brought a crowd here for, for us to talk to. Um, he respected that, and he came up and said, you know, and what he gave that crowd me as as a researcher, I get it. I, I I don't want somebody to BS me. And and when I put on a conference, I want to tell people, look, I would like for you to come to the conference. I want you to see these people that have something that they're bringing to the table. And when they come to the stage and leave the stage, what they say is is accurate. And they're and they they put in the research. And and what they what they're giving you is what you bought and paid for. You wanted to see this presentation right. is because this is their hard earned work. And that's why I had a couple of people ask me, um, can we, you know, is there gonna is it gonna be televised? Can we watch this, you know, on the computer? Um, can you, you know, give us this? And uh Adam Davies put it best. He said well, I can't say exactly what he said because I'm not gonna talk <laughs> like that. <laughs> but he but he said, Are you out of your mind? In my words, that's how he said it. But you guys go out and you do your research. We do our research. We we put in that time, the money, the hours, the sweat, the resources. We bring back everything we can. And if you want to see it, go to the Sasquatch Summit. Go to the IBC. Go to the Big Sky Conference. Go to the Ohio Conference. Attend these conferences and see what the hard work and the researchers have put together to present and to show you and to share with you. But don't mm. expect to get that for you know as a as a as, as a somebody in front of the computer to to be parallel and right alongside with the people that went to the conference to meet and greet and and to know these people. 
You know, there's a responsibility wow. uh, on you uh, for the Olympic project. You guys are responsible for keeping your information, um, you know, restricted to the people that are interested enough to come and see you and and to to honor your hard work. You don't want to just yeah. give it away. Russell, that so, is one of the most down earth, uh, honest. Um, answer to a question uh, such as this I've ever heard and and kudos to you <clears throat> uh, that you do uh give uh props to other conferences uh you know like the Sasquatch Summit where you know uh the Olympic project's going to be talking up there Derek Randall's going to be talking at the Sasquatch Summit um kudos to you Russell for uh see th- what what I find really profound and <clears throat> and honest is that <clears throat> pardon me you're put you put on the you had your first inaugural uh, International Bigfoot Conference, and you had great speakers. I mean, fantastic speakers, including myself. And you guys were there. Some really, oh, no. really, really good yeah. ones, yeah. Really good, really good. But, <laughs> uh, but I mean, I, I'm really – it, it, it makes you really happy to hear you say that stuff. You know, I mean, that what you're looking for is honesty and that, you know, you're right. Um, uh, you know, Gunner and I aside and whatnot, uh, there's, there's many – Incredible researchers out there that want to share their information with the public, uh, but they're looking for, you know, they're not, they're not looking for fame or fortune. They're looking to collaborate and share what what they've done and what they've been doing with a, a crowd that's interested in hearing what they have to say. And the Inter- International Big, Bigfoot Conference was a perfect example of that. I mean, oh my gosh, I, I you know, Gunnar and I spoke. I, I was flooded with people wanting to share stuff and talk and and uh, and collaborate, and that was that was you know, uh, no matter what I said, it was really awesome for me personally to have people come up to me and go, I well, you know what what you shared with us, guess what I've got something similar, and I'm not putting myself on a pedestal. What I'm saying is I am level with some of these other people, and and it was a perfect venue for for me to collaborate with. Um, uh, armchair enthusiasts, uh, researchers, enthusiasts. It was perfect, and it was a great function. Fantastic. And I cannot wait. I honestly cannot wait till till next year for the next one because um, I think we made some headway here. You had fantastic uh, speakers involved. You had a great crowd. It's only going to grow. And uh, kudos to you, Russ. Uh, I mean, honestly, uh, for putting that event on and uh, providing the venue. Because I can only imagine uh, the amount of work. I saw you running around. You made miles around that the whole platform. I can only imagine the work that went into this. But uh, kudos to you. And uh, the future is bright well for this as, event. And the future is bright for uh, the subject matter. As well uh, as I had Mr. Ed time. Brown. And and Mrs. Correct. Ford as well. Correct. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. We don't want we, we don't we want Russell D able to go home. <laughs> <laughs> no, I tell you, you what, did, and, you and I'm, I'll, I'll tell you yeah. the um and I and I'll I want the world to hear this. I I am new to the Bigfoot community as far as the speakers and the the, the who is who of the Bigfoot world. And I I admitted earlier that the that you know you say hey do you know so and so that's when I have to look at Ed and say hey uh, Ed <laughs> help me out here because I'm looking like an idiot he knows these people and that lineup of speakers the people that came to that conference were the people that he selected for that conference he knew uh, enough people 
that it seemed like two weeks after we pulled the trigger on, okay, let's do it. We're going to put this conference together. Within two weeks, he said, you know, Russ, I'm having to turn people down because there's, you know, I've mentioned to a few people and they definitely want to be part of this. And the the list came from those, that group. As far as the venue goes, um, Ed, like I said, he travels. He's, he's his own man. So he was unable to do the venue, uh, the boots on the ground here in Kennewick. It would be kind of senseless for him to run back and forth from California to here to help me do something that I'm right here. So, as far as the, the cast goes, that magnificent cast was all Ed. I mean, he he came to the table with those names and said, "Hey, you got to get these guys." Um, and uh, just so the just a little a little tickler here though. Next year, now next year Labor Day weekend, same place, International Bigfoot Conference will be at the exact same spot, and um, we're already getting a lineup of speakers that we're going to have. Uh, for next year, and I've talked to only a couple of them, and the response has been quite positive. And just so, just to throw it out there, um, I had a, a fantastic conversation with Bob Gimlin, and we're going to be into that 50th year. It'll be shortly after that conference, but the 50th year of the Patterson Gimlin film. Mm-hmm. Bob Gimlin has been gracious uh, enough to say he will be one of our speakers at next year's wow. conference. Wow! Yeah. Now he he came only as a guest and he just kind of did an impromptu discussion and was just fantastic. Next year he's taking the stage as a speaker, um, and if you've ever heard him speak, you know what I'm talking about. What a comfortable guy to just sit and listen to his voice, his dialogue. He's sharp as sharp can be for a man who just turned 85 years old. He's going to be on the stage next year and. Uh, we're going to take a little different twist on the world um, with our conversation because we're going to talk a little bit about the Patterson Game One film. That's for certain. But I think what you guys need to hear um, next year is who is Bob Gimlin years before the Patterson Game One film. And if you hear this man's history prior to, we're talking he was in the Navy, he was a boxer. Things that I had no clue yes. about Bob came out in our conversation this weekend, and he's going to have a lot of fun on that stage next year. So you don't want to miss that. Fantastic. I do want to touch upon something, though. One of the speakers that was scheduled to speak was John Benernagel, and he could not make it to health issues. And you managed to make it out to Vancouver Island to uh, meet it with uh, John Benernagel, and you met up with uh, Todd Neese and the – the Sea Monkey group that went out on an excursion out there, and, and, co- and of course, Gunnar Monson was a part of that. What was your experience out there? John Bennernagel, for me personally, he's a, he's a bit of a hero uh, and a guy I look up to. He's a good friend of mine, um, fantastic individual. That We were talking about earlier about putting your career on the line for this subject matter. He is the epitome of that. And uh, so what was your experience with John Bennernagel? Uh It was unfortunate that he could not make it out to uh, the International Bigfoot Conference. Um, I've heard him speak many a time, and I've talked to him a lot. Uh, he's a good friend, like I said. But uh, what was your experience out there in Vancouver Island with John Benernagel? Oh, I'm glad you asked. <laughs> oh. <laughs> okay, so I, you guys are going to owe me. You guys are going to owe me big time for what I'm about to say. So, okay. I went out to see... John Vendernagel 
or, or Dr. Benernagel. I, you know what? He yeah. he has earned that that right. I will call him Dr. Benernagel. I, I should not yeah, disrespect him. I'm just calling him John, like we're buddies. Um, I did go down out and see Dr. Benernagel, and my sole purpose for going out was to deliver that first bag of Sasquatch coffee to him. And I have a photograph of him holding his bag of Sasquatch coffee. So there you go. There's a plug. Yes. Yes, so, you did. <laughs> I did an interview. I did a sit down with Dr. Bendernagel, and I've yet to get that posted. Um, I'm sitting here in front of my computer. I'm looking at part one and part two, September 24th, 2016 interview with Dr. Bendernagel. And we openly discussed his feelings about um, the research, his, his take on a Patterson Gimlin film, um, uh, just, and talk about an absolute joy to sit down and oh, have yeah. an open conversation with this man in his front yard. He, he actually, I said, what would you like me to bring? I'd like to bring a camera and do a, uh, an interview. He said, don't worry, don't worry. We'll just set up mine and just bring a thumb drive and we'll, I'll send you home with it. And I sat down with him and we talked about his book, his, his research, his, his take on a Gimlin film and just kind of his overall feeling um, and what got him interested in, uh, in the research and what a, I'm like I said. I'm not like you guys. I have, that was my very first interview ever, and I think it was the best interview on the planet. Not because I'm a good interviewer, is because of him. That man can carry right. an interview if you totally suck at it. Because I do. I suck at interviewing, but he carried <laughs> it so well with his with his information, and such a gracious man, so humble and just absolutely wonderful. So I got to spend my time interviewing him and got all that on film and we talked. And then uh, I was waiting for the Sea Monkey crew to show up um, with with uh, you guys to, to pop in on us. And there was a few hours intermission there. So we, we backed away and, and gave him some time to rest and, and had a bite to eat and came back and got a, once the crew showed up, got a few pictures with you guys. And then Kelly and I, we we stepped out of the scene and let, Todd and, and the group have their interaction with him, you know, without us hovering because we'd already had our time with him. But the the time with him and the interview with him was just dynamite, and it was truly a gift um, just to be able to sit and and I told him I said, so, you know, since you didn't get to come to the IBC, I'm bringing the IBC to you. And <laughs> we, like I said, we brought him we brought him the coffee. Um, we also brought him the uh, a T-shirt and just kind of. Had a just a just a great day with a great man. What a what a what a legend. Oh, what a legend! And like I said, uh, I've known <clears throat> Doctor John Bernigle, and I will call him Doctor, like you know you had mentioned before. Uh, he, I call him John because he's a friend of mine. But you're right; he's he he exudes excellence and deserves the name Doctor John Bernigle, bar none. Uh, fantastic individual and was sorely missed at the the conference uh i was really I, I i he's one of those guys that i can listen to for hours because he's so smart so intellectual and so honest and um you know health willing hopefully he'll be able to join the conference or a conference uh down the road uh we'll see what happens there but i'll tell you what uh i was really stoked to now, I'm so I didn't know you actually interviewed him, so that makes me that makes me really happy because he's a guy that I listen to 
wholeheartedly that is about this subject matter and is very passionate about it and honest. I mean, just honest to all get out. And he has the credentials to back it up. And um, it's guys like this, like John Bennernagel and your Meldrums and John Meinzinskis and guys that have credentials and have been that have staked their career, I mean, really staked their career on the subject matter, that I want to do justice. I mean, I, I would assume you're in the same boat. He, uh, well, just talking to him and listening to him was, um, he's very honest about what he has to say. He's very open. He's very uh, um, witty. That guy is funny. But what I love (laughs) about him as well is that uh, he even, when, when he couldn't come to the conference, he actually made a little videotape that he sent to Dr. Jeff Melvin. And we were able to play that that day at the conference. And he made a comment about people asked him if he was a lunatic, you know, or if he lost his mind, you know, with, you know, with this whole Bigfoot thing. And um, right. what, as it turned out, during my interview, I had to do it. I had to, I had to look right at the camera and say, Dr. John Bendernigle, are you a lunatic? And he just laughed and he just ran with it. And for somebody like him, his knowledge base, his his poise, his his intellect, his his just demeanor, um, being actually in the same frame, doing an interview with him was just a just just a, an honor, absolute honor. And with that interview that I did, I need to uh, I'll probably get hold of somebody that's much smarter than myself, uh, which wouldn't take much, but somebody that can actually. <laughs> Um, take that interview and give it an introduction and put it together. I'll probably get hold of uh, um, maybe try to get hold of Dan Lindholm or um, I know Richter is quite good with this kind of thing, but be able to put this this interview together before I post it. But it would be it definitely yeah. when I post it, I'll let you guys know and and oh, please um, do. I'll put it in the IBC website um, and that way you guys can enjoy uh, enjoy and and uh, see the the. the interview that I had with him because it was fun. It was just a, just fun yeah. and candid and comfortable and genuine, genuinely authentic, you know? Yeah. Well, I'm just really, a, uh, I'm really looking forward to that. Uh, you know, I, I, that's the sort of thing I fiend for because he's a guy that I respect so much, so highly that, uh, you know, his words speak a lot. And, uh, he's just one of those individuals that I, you know, having, um, you know, partaking in the subject matter and, and really take it serious. I know how how serious John takes this and really want to do him justice. And so I'm looking forward to the interview. And when you post it, please uh, share it with us and uh, we'll, we'll share it. And uh, I think it's important. I really do. It's in, you know, it's very important to me personally. So uh, kudos to you, but uh, I got to ask you, Russell, uh, what's, what's going Going forward with the um, International Bigfoot Conference, what are some of your goals with this International Bigfoot Conference? Uh, and, and uh, you know, and we talked a little bit about this earlier, but what are some of your goals for the International Bigfoot Conference, and what separates this particular conference from some of the others? Oh, boy. Um, well, I <laughs> before I get too involved, I'm going to tell you, I will be attending the Sasquatch Summit. I will also, we've already got arrangements um, this year for my wife and I to go attend the Ohio conference. 
and like you said, I am not in competition with Sasquatch Summit. I am not in competition with the Ohio Conference or the Big Sky Bigfoot Conference. I think there's enough of a knowledge base out there and enough of an interest out there just within your local community and within the area around you that um, that we and I, I'm I hope that I'm speaking for everyone that puts on a conference that we don't compete with each other. We're simply my goal is to set up a stage and bring people in so they can meet people like the Olympic Project, so they can meet people like Dr. Jeff Meldrum and, and get to shake hands with them, get their photo taken with them, and, and talk to them on a personal level, and maybe even share their experiences. The idea for the International Bigfoot Conference is to set up a stage where you get to meet face-to-face, hear the research, see the research, maybe get excited enough to get off the couch and go do your own research and have your eyes open and camera ready. Um, maybe um, learn something or learn a method or learn uh, information that you had no idea about or to see evidence for the first time. You know, the the those Derek put on something uh, and showed the public something that, just isn't out there for the world to see. You have to come to the right. conference to see it, whether it's the Sasquatch Summit or Ohio or or to meet um, people like Bob Gimlin. Going forward, what separates mine is I'm in the middle of a desert. There's no trees here. So when people come to the conference here, it's about the conference. It's about not what's outside. It's about what's inside. It's about the vendors that bring uh, their information and, and their things. It's about what's on that stage. And... Um, and being in Tri-Cities, the local community here has been really generous because I can't take everybody out on an outing and say, this is, you know, this is uh, something that we all, you know, we can go do a camp out, that sort of thing. We're all indoors. We're all concrete here. So I get people like you guys that bring your information to Tri-Cities where we have a tremendous population here. We draw from all over the place, and they get to see your information. But we have... Uh, local community, I had some door prizes to give away that you don't see every day. We gave away a four-wheeler this year, a brand spanking new four-wheeler, and I am online to put another four-wheeler on that stage to give away next year. And um, wow. I'll, I'll, I'll blab this out. I'm, I'm right now trying to um, get it set up to where not only are we going to try to give away a four-wheeler, but I want to give away a pair of military-grade PBS 7 night vision goggles. Wow. So that's just the, a small piece of it. Only one person is going to win. So suppose you have 1,000 people. You have a one in 1,000 chance of getting a four-wheeler. Who's not willing to pay 45 bucks for a ticket for that? So, oh, shoot. Or, or a I'd pair of night pay, you know, I'd be willing to pay a lot more than that just to attend the event because uh, the amount of speakers and the – uh, knowledge and experience shared. I mean, yeah, that's nothing. Well, that, that certainly can be arranged. Yeah, you know, we can charge you more for your ticket than anyone else. I have no problem with that. I'm game I'm uh, for that. Yeah, Gunner should be charged a lot more. You know, speaking of charging Gunner a lot more, I'm going to – and I, I'm going to put you on the hook right now. I'm going to make the announcement right now. One of my very first sponsors for this conference for next year – was Sasquatch Coffee. Um, thank you. You guys thank you were a sponsor. Much. Yep, thank you. Uh, <laughs> you guys were a sponsor last year before you even knew what we were about. And this year, without hesitation, I said, hey, are you interested in sponsoring again? And he said, absolutely. 
So I'm I I am so thankful and so proud to have Sasquatch Coffee as as one of our sponsors for next year's conference. So thank you while well, I'm on the funny, radio and while I'm on the phone with you. So, yeah, what's, what's funny I'll, is what's funny is I won't say funny per se, but what what's all, pretty awesome is a lot of the speakers that that talked uh, this last conference are already sponsoring you, and I'm going to be sponsoring you too, Russ. I, I I'm going to be sponsoring you down the road here for sure because. I think you're really putting something uh, fabulous together and something amazing and, and awesome. So I'm going to be sponsoring as well. I don't have the the, the Sasquatch Coffee backing, but uh, I will be sponsoring you. And, and you know what? A lot of the speakers, like I said, uh, that spoke, uh, Lauren Coleman, he's sponsored you. Ton Neese, these guys have already sponsored you uh, because they, this is something they believe in because it's that great a venue and you put on such a great conference. I mean, for, that says a lot. I mean, I'll be honest. With you, that says a lot. Um, I, I am. I am really grateful too for just the the word of mouth. Last year at this time, um, no joke. It literally one year ago today, we decided that we were going to put in the conference. So in that period, by the time we got a web page set up and a venue picked out, we were into January, and then we started talking about it. And it was just a couple of us talking about it, trying to get people interested in coming to this conference and, and selling tickets and hoping that we got enough people at the door to to cover what we had put out. Well, this year, we're, we had, uh, between ticket sales, vendors, and speakers, we had 600 people in that building. So I am hoping that this year, starting with those 600 people, that there'll be a little bit bigger crowd next year because they'll be talking about it instead of one boy starting in January. So I, I appreciate that. I certainly appreciate you guys allowing me to discuss it openly on, on your uh, on your show here because it's, it's something that I look forward to. It's something I'm very proud of. Um, and I'm excited to have, you know, the, the buy-in from you guys and, and the endorsements. It's fantastic, and thank you. Absolutely. Well, you guys well, Gunner, did a, a, a spectacular yeah. job with the. Uh, I mean, you and and you dealt with some some issues. You had some weather issues that kept speakers from coming, and 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 other things. And fortunately, you had some folks that stepped up and and filled in ad, admirably. Bob Gimlin and Cliff Berkman be in the Cliff Berkman. Absolutely, just yep. stepped up and said, "Hey, you got a blank space, hey, Cliff? Would you mind going up?" And he just—it <laughs> was almost before I could even get the, the voice out of my face. He was, "Of course, absolutely, not a problem." And he, he <laughs> said, "I've got, i got plenty I can discuss. I'm, you know, I'll be right there." And it was just—it just shows you, um, it shows you the caliber of people that we're dealing with when it comes to researchers and this community, um, people that are willing to help, people that are absolutely authentic and genuine enough to say, you know, I'm not in it for me. I'm you you bet I'll be delighted to share some information with the group. Um just for the record, these speakers go up and they don't you're not talking they're looking for fame or money or anything else. These guys are doing it um to honor their work and to honor the science of it. Uh, I mean they're uh it's it's amazing the speakers, the research, the the sweat and the their own finances that go into their own research. It's um it's generous when you guys hit that stage and you share that with a crowd that that doesn't know you, and they want to know you and they want to be like you. So it's just it's fantastic. Well, I know that I know that we have tens of people that that are wanting to hear Shane and I. Ten, <laughs> yeah, tens ten, of people. Tens of people. So. <laughs> so. <laughs> 
So, uh, oh. Russ, we're we're just about out of time. Yeah, when okay. we talked earlier today, you, you asked me if we had two hours, and we could go on for probably another two hours talking with you, buddy. Um, I look forward to uh, hearing more about the next year's International Bigfoot Conference, and uh, I'll be looking for that third book because pretty soon I'll be done with the second one, and I know I'll be wanting to dig into the next one. So uh, thanks for joining us today, buddy, and we will uh, catch you again next week on Monster X Radio, everybody. Have a great week. We'll see you then. It's been an honor. Thank you.